So this morning, we are continuing our study of the spiritual disciplines in our ongoing quest to discover God's will together. Spiritual disciplines are sacred paths to a deeper intimacy with God and to a deeper understanding of his will. So we have talked about the necessity of taking time away for silence and solitude. We have talked about engaging scripture, not so much for more information and knowledge, but in order to be transformed. We have talked about staying close to God in prayer so we can hear God when he speaks, but so that we can just experience and enjoy our time together as well. Last week, we talked about the whole issue of self-examination and confession. And this morning, we're going to be talking about Sabbath, the only spiritual discipline that is commanded in the scripture. So as we get into that, there are a couple of passages that I would like to share with you this morning. Hopefully they are already very familiar to you. The first is found in the book of Exodus, and you're welcome to turn there with me in your Bibles, or otherwise it will be on the screen as well. It's the 20th chapter, and it is the first giving of the Decalogue, and we'll read verses 8 through 11 where God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then there's a second understanding of the Decalogue. That's found in Deuteronomy 5. Let me share that with you beginning at the 12th verse, where God here says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. In her book, Mud House Sabbath, Lauren Winner, who is a convert from Judaism to Christianity, writes this. Shabbat is without question the part of Judaism that I miss the most. Sabbath shaped all the rhythms of calendar and time. The entire week revolved around Shabbat. So Sabbath, or the Hebrew Shabbat, is the word for rest. It is a discipline that I long to embrace as an apprentice of Jesus. But the truth is, it's probably the one I struggle with the most. As a child, our Sabbath was somber and serious with a legalistic set of do's and don'ts. We don't play sports. 
We don't watch television. We don't ride our bikes. We don't swim or even wade in the water. We don't do homework. That was okay. There were no stores open on Sunday. Having fun was never on the agenda. We went to church twice, ate dinner as a family, took naps, and often visited extended family. As an adult, my profession and the church made keeping Sabbath an almost impossible challenge. In fact, I often worked harder on Sunday than any other day of the week. I've studied Sabbath. I've read Winter, Mudhouse Sabbath, Mark Buchanan, Rest of God, Abram Heschel on his book Sabbath, Del Dan Alander on Sabbath, Wayne Mueller, Sabbath, Restoring the Sacred Rhythm of Rest, and at least a dozen more books on Sabbath. So I am very well informed, just not so much transformed. I'm still, if you will, a work in progress. For most people today, including Christians, Sunday is not all that different from the rest of the week. Sunday seems increasingly like every other day. Sunday is increasingly a day of responsibilities, of rehearsals and worship leadership, of teaching and leading, of meetings at church, of coming together with a small group, of family commitments. We have our obligations. We have our responsibilities. My children and grandchildren are so busy, it is an incredible challenge for all of us to get together on Sunday. Many, dare I say even most Christ followers, are exhausted on Sunday when the sun goes down. For consumers, Sunday is the single biggest retail day of the entire week. For working people, it is an opportunity for us to catch up on our to-do list. For athletes and their families, it is the day to pack up and travel to the next game or to the next meet. We take great pride in our busy schedules. In fact, our self-image depends on our productivity. Our reputation in the community requires that we not only keep up with the Joneses, but that we surpass them at least a little bit. So our calendars are full. Seven days a week. And as a result, for many, the joy of life has just disappeared. Most Americans are dangerously tired and desperately in need of rest. We are slowly and literally working ourselves to death. Wayne Mueller points out that the Chinese joined two characters to form a single pictograph for the word busyness. They take the word or the picture, if you will, for heart, and they put it right alongside the picture or the word, if you will, for killing. They go together, working 12 hours a day, seven days a week with unrealistic expectations, with a lack of boundaries, and with a demand for excellence, all but guarantees an early death. Business, busyness eliminates our time to care for our souls. 
for having margin in our life. And the truth is, many of us ignore the warning signs. Many of us live dangerously tired on the edge, and our hearts and our souls are withering and dying. Sabbath keeping, it's counterintuitive. It's countercultural. And it's a challenge to master. But Jesus reminds us in the scripture that it is absolutely essential for our relationship with him. He says in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will be your source of rest. You see, God in his infinite wisdom has given us the command and the gift of Sabbath. Sabbath is a principle that is deeply embedded in creation. Already in the second chapter of the Bible, in Genesis 2, verse 2, we are told that God finished his creative work and he rested. God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy. The Jewish people consider Sabbath as one of the greatest gifts that God has given to his people. Interestingly, ancient societies did not operate on a seven-day cycle. The rhythm of six days of work followed by a seventh day of rest is not found intrinsically in nature. There is the lunar cycle of 29.3 days. That's not divisible by seven. Our solar calendar, 365 days, if you divide that by seven, that doesn't come out evenly either. You see, this pattern was uniquely established by God. Scripture says God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. This sequence, this rhythm this pattern has been created by God for us, for you and for me. We are the only ones, the scripture says, who are created in the image of God. At Sinai, God then took that practice of Sabbath and he placed it into law. In his 10 words of covenant to the people that he loved, God commanded them to rest one day each week and to declare it holy. The fourth commandment is 97 words in Exodus 20. The fourth commandment in Deuteronomy 5 is 124 words. It is the longest commandment in Exodus. It is the longest commandment in Deuteronomy. And that for us ought to underscore some of its importance and its significance. Obviously, it's pretty important. The Exodus command reads, remember, Sahur, the Sabbath day, and keep it holy, Kadosh. The Deuteronomy command reads, observe, Shamor, keep the Sabbath day, and keep it holy. In Exodus, the reason given for why we should keep the Sabbath is because the Lord rested on the seventh day, that is, the Lord declared that seventh day holy. So in keeping Sabbath, we are to remember God's creation. 
In Deuteronomy 5, the 15th verse, the reason we're given for observing the Sabbath is because we were once slaves in Egypt and God brought us out. So in keeping Sabbath, we are keeping covenant. The rabbis agreed that the cornerstone, the essence of this command was prohibiting work on Sabbath. And to be honest, it's, it's, a, it's a small miracle that the rabbis were able to agree on anything, let alone this, but they did. And over time, they started to sort out 39 different categories of activities that were to be avoided on Shabbat, recorded for us in the Malchai. And then they fleshed out all of its implications. So for example, if one is not to light, that is to create, and creating is a no-no on Sabbath, but if one were to light to create a fire, then one should not be carrying matches around either. As a result, the Jewish Sabbath soon became a long list of do's and don'ts. Sound familiar? Don't turn on the lights. Don't drive. Don't cook. Don't plan for the week ahead. Don't carry a pair of scissors anywhere at all, for if you carry one, you might be tempted to use it. And cutting is forbidden on Sabbath. Don't write a sonnet or a sestina or a haiku. Don't copy down a recipe. And just for the record, I want to pause here a moment and tell you that this part of the prohibitions for what you can't do on Sabbath, I have kept to a T. I have never written a sonnet or a haiku or a sestina or copied down a recipe on Sunday. What it boiled down to, and oh, by the way, you were not allowed to boil on Sunday either, is do not create. Meanwhile, the rabbis extensively debated the two different versions of the Sabbath command. Why does Exodus say we are to remember the Sabbath? And why does Deuteronomy say we are to observe the Sabbath? And they came up with a wonderfully profound answer to that. And they said, you see, on Sunday, on Monday, and on Tuesday, people are to remember. We're to look back at and remember and reflect on the previous Sabbath, on our previous rest. And on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday until sundown, we are to prepare. That is, we are to observe the upcoming Sabbath. And with that understanding, the rabbi said that all of life all of life is to revolve around Sabbath, around God's rest. So what is the purpose of Sabbath? First, Sabbath is a way of ordering our lives in a rhythm that nurtures our soul, that deepens our relationship with God, that allows us to recognize his voice and to understand his heart. Sabbath is a way of putting and keeping God at the very center of our life and our calendar every day, day after day. Sabbath is a way of setting apart time to be with God that requires us to live the other six days in such a way that it makes 
spending time with God on Sunday, on Sabbath, possible. Sabbath is a way of balancing our life. Work and rest. Fruitfulness and dormancy. Giving and receiving. Being and doing. Activism and surrender in ways that God designed life to be lived. See, Sabbath is a way of setting aside one-seventh of our time just to be with God. A way of participating in his creation mandate and blessings. A way of acknowledging our covenant relationship that we have with family, with friends, and with believers everywhere. Second, Sabbath is a way of honoring the limits of our humanness. Sabbath is a reminder that we're not in control. It's a reminder we are not indispensable. It is a reminder we are not God. It is a reminder that we need God. Liz Harris, in her book, Holy Days, writes, when we cease interfering in our world, we are acknowledging that it is God's world. In letting go, even for one day, we acknowledge that we trust God, that we understand God is sovereign enough to be able to handle it without our intervention. You see, our body and our soul, they need rest as well. They need refreshment. They need replenishment. And in our Sabbath keeping, we acknowledge that we're human. We live in time and we live in space. We live or we're supposed to live within our capabilities and within our capacities because we live in a finite world. Sabbath is an invitation to live within those limits the limits of how we were created, of who we are, of our humanness. Sabbath reminds us that we're dispensable, that even when we're not here, the world will go on without us. Sabbath reminds us we can't do everything. Truth is, we can't even do most things that are necessary to sustain life. There is something deeply spiritual and humbling about admit admitting and honoring our human limitations. It's a reminder of exactly who God created us to be. And so we're invited to be gracious with ourselves and with others, to admit that we are finite creatures, and to eliminate any delusions of grandeur that we might have. There is a deep sense of peace in knowing that God will love us just as much as he has always loved us regardless of our productiveness, and even when we're still. So let me share with you this morning four biblical principles of Sabbath. The first biblical principle is simple. Stop. Stop. So Sabbath is first and foremost a day of stopped. It is first and foremost a day of being done. We stop on Sabbath because God is on the throne and he assures us the world will not fall apart even if you and I cease our activities. You see, Sabbath reminds us, as the psalmist says, to be still and to know that he is God. And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because God will take care of it just like he's taking care of today. 
Most people, however, tend to believe that they are too important to stop working one day a week. They are consumed with the urgent. They feel compelled to make progress on their to-do list. Life is short, you know. You got to get things done. They believe busyness and productivity are the mark of success. But God's command is clear. Stop. So what do we stop? First, we stop working. Everything that constitutes work for us must stop. We need to identify the challenges and the temptations that are related to our work and establish clear boundaries to protect our Sabbath time. We need to pay attention to whether a particular activity triggers our activism, triggers our need to be productive and valued, triggers our feelings of indispensability. And if it does, stop it. Second, we need to stop wanting. Buying and selling, engaging in commerce, feeding our consumerism are all parts of our life that need to stop on Sabbath. Our consumerism entices us to need things, to feel we need things we don't really need. It means we're never satisfied. Refraining even for one day a week from being a consumer sensitizes us to the substantive gifts that God gives. And then third, we need to stop worrying. Worrying is some of the most emotionally and mentally draining work that we do. It's hard. Decisions can be saved for another time, another day. You see, in failing to live Sabbath time distinct from weekly work time, we violate the essence of God's command to keep the Sabbath day holy, to set apart a day from the rhythms of work and world just to be with God. So the first principle is stop. The second principle is rest. Once we stop, Sabbath calls us to rest from all the work. Even if it's not done. God worked six days, then God stopped, the scripture says. And after God stopped, scripture says God rested. God, God's rest is more than just freedom from toil or freedom from work or freedom from activity. The rest of God is freedom for shalom, freedom for tranquility, freedom for seeing as God sees that it is good. It is a gift. It is a blessing. The rest of God is not an extended vacation, but an invocation. It's not recreation, but recreation. It's not physical rest, but it is spiritual peace. To refrain from labor is one thing. To enter into rest is an entirely thing in itself. The invitation to Sabbath is an invitation to the things that restore us physically and emotionally and mentally and especially spiritually. Sabbath is God's invitation to nurture our soul. Sabbath is an invitation to worship, to a time of silence, to a nap, to going for a walk or a bike ride for a bubble bath, to enjoy our favorite foods, to listen to music, to turn off all our technology and media and set it aside, to read a good book, to watch a sunset or a sunrise, 
to be with friends, to spend time with our children or grandchildren, to love our spouse. We need to prepare for resistance because it will come. The pressure to do the things that we do six other days a week, like shopping and errands, the things that we have always done on Sunday, growing up, television and social media, the things we like to do, chill on the couch and watch a game or a movie marathon, and the things everyone else is doing. The pressure to do those is going to be intense. But there will always be pushback to doing the things that God wants us to do. You see, Sabbath is for doing, if you will, those things that renew and refresh and replenish our soul. For glorifying God. For allowing us to to enjoy him, to get a taste of enjoying him as we will forever. When we stop to rest, we not only respect the image of God within us, we respect our humanity. We're not here to serve the Sabbath. God gave us the Sabbath to bless us. So the principle of stop, the principle of rest, the third principle is the principle of delight. You can check that out in Isaiah 58. Wonderful passage. But on Sabbath, we get to delight in God's world and our life in it and ultimately in God himself. Like God delighted in his creation, he said, it is very, very good. We're invited to enjoy God, to enjoy his creation, to enjoy the gifts he has given to us. And God, God in his And his wonder has gifted us with five senses. Seeing and hearing and tasting and smelling and touching. That offer us a virtual feast of the miraculousness of life and of God's goodness. Now Sabbath delighting is a radical concept in our culture. In a culture like ours that is focused on pleasure, on being pleasure driven and delight deficient. Sabbath offers us an opportunity to eat slowly, to smell and to savor the food, an opportunity to step back and enjoy an entire sunrise or sunset, to listen to the birds, to hold a flower in our hand, to have a cup of coffee unhurried with friends, to walk slowly through Meyer Gardens. Sabbath provides the occasion to discover the beauty of a toad or a tree or a tourmaline, to see a world in a grain of sand or heaven in a wildflower. On Sabbath, God invites us to slow down, to be present to him, to delight in others, to fully participate in community, to engage in healthy play, to enjoy his creation. The early church fathers chose a word, perichorosis, literally means dancing around to describe what Sabbath was designed to be. Don't make Sabbath a weighty exercise. Explore it with delight, as though you and God are learning together how you can be together and enjoy each other's company. And remember, Jesus himself is the one who said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So we have the principle 
of stop, the principle of rest, the principle of delight, and the fourth and the final principle is the principle of contemplation or worship. Sabbath is to be holy to the Lord. That is, the focus of Sabbath is always ultimately to be toward God, toward our relationship with our creator and sustainer and with the gifts that he has given to us to bless us. On Sabbath, we practice his presence. We embrace his love. We offer our gratitude. We have more time for silence and solitude to be with him, more time for listening to his voice, more time for engaging in his scripture, more time for prayer, more time for confession, more time for worship, more time to acknowledge his holiness and to celebrate it. On Sabbath, we also get to look ahead because our weekly Sabbath is a taste of our eternal Sabbath. Sabbath is designed to put our short earthly life into perspective as we anticipate his splendor, his greatness, his beauty, his excellence, his glory. On Sabbath, we give attention to intentionally restoring our soul and focusing on our relationship with God. As with stopping and resting and delighting, we should prepare in advance for our time of contemplation and worship. Frederick Stark suggests that we disentangle our mind from worldly cares and troubles, that we prepare ourselves for the coming Sunday with prayer, that we retire to bed and to rest betimes so as to be punctual and sprightly at church the next morning. How many of you are sprightly this morning? What traditions do you have in your home and in your family to prepare for Sabbath? What plans do you have for delighting today? How will you celebrate the goodness and the greatness of God this afternoon? How are we doing with this command? Number four. Of the ten. Because much of our Sabbath experience has been defined by dour prohibitions and somber rituals, because we have long ignored, in my estimation, this fourth commandment, we have missed, as Lauren Winner lamented, the blessings of Sabbath. The early church, you see, moved Sabbath from starting on Friday night and ending on Saturday night to an all-day Sunday experience in order to commemorate Jesus' resurrection. It was a great idea. But sadly, some things got lost in the, in the transition. Few Christians think about Jesus' resurrection. Probably you didn't think about it till I just mentioned it or think about their resurrection. Unless, of course, it's Easter, then we're all focused on it. Most believers have lost the, any concept of rest. It has been redefined as simply taking an afternoon nap. For most people, Sabbath is just simply the last day of the weekend. Now they've got to get ready for work on Monday rather than a day around which they focus their entire week. Today, corporate worship has largely become optional. Church attendance is at an all-time low in this country. Churches increasingly plan their business meetings for Sunday for convenience because 
It's the only time people can get together. Sabbath has become largely about us rather than for us. Jesus, you'll remember, said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. All too often we talk about Sabbath, and when we do, we get sidetracked into some theological or practical issue discussion that is designed, in my estimation, for us to allow us to rationalize why we haven't kept this commandment. And we've ignored God's invitation. Like, where does Jesus teach in the New Testament that Christians are to practice Sabbath keeping? Does it really matter which day we practice Sabbath? I mean, can we float it around from week to week? Is that okay? Does Sabbath have to be a full 24-hour day? Or can it be a part of a day? Or can I take like three hours every day? Can I mow the lawn or wash the car or play ball or eat out or shop on Sabbath? We know the litany. Many of us have helped write it over the years. What's important in keeping Sabbath rhythm is keeping our focus centered on God and allowing God to nurture our souls and give us rest. God provides Sabbath to give us time and space for God so we can know and hear his voice and cherish what's on his heart. Lauren Winter writes, there is something in the original Sabbath that is missing from most Christian Sundays. A true cessation of the rhythms of work and world. A time wholly set apart and perhaps above all, a sense that the whole point of Shabbat, of Sabbath, the whole orientation of Sunday is toward God. Think of Sabbath as a snow day that God gives us once every week. A snow day is a no obligation day. It is a no responsibility day. It is a rest day. Kids, school kids, long for and love snow days. Pretend the stores are all closed. The roads are impassable. And you suddenly have the gift of a whole day without obligation or pressure or responsibility. And you have the permission to play, to be with friends, to read a good book, or to just rest. Few of us ever give ourselves a whole day like that. And yet God, the one who made you, offers you one every single week, even in the summer. Please do not add Sabbath as one more thing you have to do to your to-do list. That defeats the whole purpose of a practice that is designed to stop and rest and allow us to delight. There is no delight in adding things to your to-do list. But it's an opportunity just to be with God. The goal of Sabbath is not to master the practice. The goal is to become more and more like Jesus. Marked by a spirit of restfulness and calmness. Jesus who was always unhurried and yet always fully present. 
You see, if we accept his invitation to stop and to rest and delight and to contemplate every week, we will soon find those very same qualities appearing in the other six days of the week as well. And I suspect that's what God had planned all along. So be still and know that he is God. And may the God of rest fill you with his peace and his presence as you rest in him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being a God of rest. A God who loves us so much that he modeled for us his gift of six days of labor and the seventh day set aside wholly for our relationship with you. Father, give us the courage to be countercultural and counterintuitive and step into and enjoy your rest. This is our prayer. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.